My wife and I went out to breakfast over the long weekend and in the place that we chose for breakfast because they have these biscuits the size of your head covered in sausage gravy. I know, not real healthy, but absolutely yummy. The best in the world for breakfast, especially on a holiday weekend. But in this particular place, there's also always a line of people waiting to get in. And we got there just ahead of the line. So we got to sit in a corner and kind of watch everybody else make their way in. Large gatherings, large groups of families with their kids and their grandkids. And it was pretty fascinating to watch them come in. But there was one particular table that sat near us, a table of six, and two little ones at the table. And the interaction between the little ones and the grown-ups at the table was the part that had me fascinated. That's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And as I watch this interaction between a, a grown man and his little son, and when I say little, I mean maybe 16 months, 18 months old, it was pretty fascinating how both of them were vying for attention from mom and everybody else at the table, but doing so in kind of a, I don't know, passive aggressive type of a way. Dad was paying attention to his cell phone and it appeared from the way he was holding it, he was either watching videos or playing a video game but because he was holding it and staring at it and moving it quite a bit and it led me to believe he was playing video games. The little guy wanted to play with the phone as well, but all of them were engaged in the conversation at the table waiting for the food to arrive. Now I could see the frustration on Dad's face as time went on. Frustrated that the little one either wanted to cry or wanted to whine or wanted to grab dad's arm and pull him in like he was trying to climb out of the high chair and into dad's lap. He wanted to grab the phone and snatch it away so that he could watch videos or play videos with it. Uh, but either way, it wasn't going to happen that he was going to stay in that chair peacefully. And it wasn't going to happen that dad was going to have a peaceful breakfast without the interaction that his son demanded. Now, the real irony is it's easy for us as grown-ups to kind of let little ones be little ones. Let them do what they do. We realize that they need attention and we're going to cuddle them when we can and we're going to hold them when we can and we're going to correct them when we can and, and all of those things. It's almost as if really we're waiting for something to go awry in order to get engaged. We want to correct. We want to scold. We want to calm them down. We want to keep them from having a fit in a public place. In fact, I heard dad say it a couple of times, you don't act like this at home, why do you keep doing this in public? And I'm thinking to myself, the kid's not even two years old, I'm not even sure he understands the words that are coming out of your mouth. Uh, kind of back to our Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan reference. He doesn't have a clue what you're saying, but he senses your frustration. He feels the energy of what is changing in your demeanor, even though he doesn't have a clue about the dialogue you're having with him. That's a hard place to be in as a leader. If you've ever tried to correct the behavior of someone who doesn't understand the correction you're giving them, you're not going to see the results that you want out of that. Now, I, I reference that because I also, over the weekend, watched a, the last half of a movie called Blindside. It was about the NFL player Michael Orr. If you've ever seen the movie, you know some of the scenes I'm talking about. Like when he first started playing football, and they're like, this guy is huge, he's massive, he's going to be a beast. And then they realize he won't hit anybody, he's just a teddy bear, he's not a violent guy. And so she has to come in and kind of coach him up a little bit. But the, 
The real irony was there was a gap of time there that he was being scolded by the coach, yelled at for holding and clipping and everything else, and he didn't have any idea what he was doing wrong, so telling him to stop doing it made no sense at all. Now, I've been in that place in my life as a high school football player that I got yelled at for clipping, and I had never been told what clipping was. I remember seeing the flags thrown while watching the Cowboys play on TV. Lots of flags, lots and lots of flags. But they'd be called for clipping or holding or whatever. And I never could spot the foul. I didn't know what was being done wrong. So when I got yelled at for it and flags thrown at me for it, I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know what I was doing wrong. And that father who's yelling at his two-year-old or even three-year-old, sometimes even a 10-year-old, to stop behaving that way, it, it doesn't work like that. They don't get it. They haven't seen you model the proper behavior yet, so they don't know what they're doing wrong. The more frustrated you get, the more frustrated they get. Your, demotion, your demeanor, your emotions, they don't change in that little guy. They just mimic what you're doing. And they're not gonna change their behavior based on your emotion. They don't know how, but they will change their emotion based on your emotion. They will react in kind to your frustration, usually with more screaming and more yelling, which is ironic because most parents, especially guys who get frustrated with their little people, whether it's little boys or little girls in that one and a half to five year old range, most of the time it's frustration about their mood, about their crying, about their screaming. It's the frustration that I can't get them to calm down. I can't get them to settle down. They won't stop climbing on things. I can't make them do wait, control. I can't make them do what I want them to do. So I yell louder. I know I did it when my people were little. Now they're all adults, and my, my girls are not much bigger than they were, but my boys are all bigger than me. When you think about the relationship that you have an opportunity to create with them, what I want you to understand from a leadership perspective is that anybody can be a father. If you have the biological tools to reproduce as a father, you can father a child. Believe me, they're all over the world, children who have been fathered not so many that have had a good dad. See, dad is a leadership role. Dad is a relational role. Dad is a responsibility that goes way beyond just bringing them into this world in the form of existence. It's about bringing them up in this world with the ability to relate, to be able to have a conversation, to be able to think through, to have a work ethic, to show up on time, to do the job well, to feel the sense of pride and accomplishment and purpose that comes along with having shown up on time and done a job well. And all of those things are the responsibility of a father. Now, it does seem ironic to me how many legal statutes there are in the United States that make being a dad complicated. My son recently remarried and he married, excuse me, married for the first time and he married a woman who already had a child. And the legal things that they're having to go through from a financial standpoint, from assistance that she was receiving medically and with food, et cetera, has been devastating to their young marriage, trying to figure out how do we navigate through this silliness that is the bureaucracy that says, as long as there's not a man in the house, we'll give you X amount of help. But the minute there's a man in the house who will claim you, we take away all of your help. Never mind that your income didn't double, your opportunities in life didn't triple, there, there's no new 
way of getting things done. Rent's still going higher. Food is still going higher. Gas is still going higher. Insurance is still going higher. Your benefits, if they exist at all, are still going higher. But just because you have someone else to help you with it now, all of that goes away. Uh, but see, that doesn't inspire a man who's fathered a child to be the dad. In fact, it's one of the leading causes of problems in America right now is parents who are having to do the job on their own because financially speaking, it's more beneficial not to have a married couple raising a child than it is to have a married couple raising a child. That, in my opinion, is a disastrous mix. In fact, if we look at some of the problems we have with drugs and crime and sexual behavior and violence in the schools and, dare I say, school shootings, the one marker that we can find across the board is that these are homes where there's not a strong dad. I'll let that one settle in for a moment. How much money could we have saved by making it conducive to have a mother and a father in the home? rather than financially supporting the demise of the family, rather than taking away funding and making it complicated for a dad to be a dad, making it financially beneficial for the family to break up. That's a problem. That's a flaw in our societal policymaking. But it's also a flaw in that it allows fathers, men who have given the proper seed to become a child or produce a child, but have not given the proper investment of themselves to be a dad. That's, that's another problem because it inspires behavior, encourages behavior, financially incents behavior that is not for the good of the community or the society. Now, you can say those are just my opinions. They are my opinions. They are strong opinions. They are strongly held opinions, and I believe core values that need to be assessed by everybody. But I think you can look back over the statistics and the breakdown of the family from the late 1960s until today, and you'll see a lot of things that are on the rise in an exact reflection to the decline of the strength of the family. When there were two-parent families, there were a lot less drug overdoses, there were a lot less teen suicides, there were a lot less criminals of that teenage bracket because there were dads there to go, you're not going to behave like that in my house, and let's sit down and talk about why. As I watched this interaction between this father and his young son, I observed several um, characteristics, if you will. But the number one thing that I recognized was that this gentleman interacting with his son simply didn't have a guidebook. He had no idea. He, he didn't know what he was doing. I, not to say he's not an intelligent guy, just to say no one had ever modeled for him how a grown man should interact with an 18-month-old boy. Never seen it before. And that was the part that was painfully obvious. Because it what led me to believe and then later confirm was his dad wasn't around when he was that age. See, when, when we look through life look at life through the lenses of our own experiences, it's really easy to recognize the things we've seen before because we've been there before. I like the old, uh, I think it's State Farm commercial that says we can cover a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Well, I'm a father of four and a grandfather of 10 and I've seen a thing or two. Some of them I wish I could unsee, but you never will. The reality though, when it comes to this father that was sitting at the table that morning, as I got up and started to walk out, I, 
I stopped and asked him, is this your first son? And he said, yeah. I said, is, is that your little girl? And he said, yeah. And I said, this is going to be the toughest job you'll ever love. And he just kind of looked at me for a minute and I said, do you like to read? And he said, no, I, I'm really not a reader. And so I turned to his wife, the mother of the two children, and I said, um, I'm going to encourage you to make him read, force him to read or tie him down and read this to him. But here's two books that you got to get for him. Bringing Up Boys by James Dobson and Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. If you can get him through those two books, I don't know a grown man alive who's got through the first three chapters of John Eldridge's Wild at Heart without crying his eyes out. I don't know one man yet because it just gets at the core of what we as men were created to be and do, who we are supposed to be. The Wild at Heart really defines manhood from childhood. Additionally, though, Bringing Up Boys by James Dobson is the book that I read in my 20s that I wish my mom had read. I was raised the only son of a single mom. She didn't know how to be a dad, and she raised me the best she could. Frankly, I think she did an okay job. She did a pretty good job considering the resources she had to work with. But I look back now having raised my boys, and I realize the difference between the way I was raised and the way I raised my boys was found in that book. Bringing Up Boys by James Dobson changed the way I look at a relationship with the boy. They are entirely different than raising little girls. Trust me, I raised two of those too. And those are different relationships. But how a man, how a dad raises his boy, there are some unique tricks to that. There are some things that can and can't be done or should and shouldn't be done. And when I encourage this father to read that book, the most fascinating thing was that the couple across the table who didn't have any kids with them, I don't know if they had any or had any on the way, but when I mentioned the name of the books, she pulled her phone out and said, can you say those again and, and who wrote them? And it struck me that the advice from a father to a father is more rare than you can imagine. Now, we talk a lot about leadership here, and, and I've been in those places where I've spoken to the Parliament of the Congo and missionary leaders around the world, business leaders in, in Brazil, and, and speaking is my passion. It's what I believe I'm made to do. But that two and a half minutes over breakfast with absolute strangers at the table across from me to impart to them just a little bit of what I've figured out the hard way, hopefully... It will smooth their path for the future. And that little boy will grow up to be a strong man of courage and passion. And that is probably the greatest leadership investment a dad can make to raise a little boy who is a man of courage and passion when he grows up, who knows what he believes and holds firmly to it. That's what a dad is for. And that is probably the greatest call of leadership we will ever see. Now, I plan between now and Father's Day to continue to talk about fatherhood, to talk about being a leader as a dad, and continue to pound on this subject just in case somebody wanders through and sees one of these episodes and not all of them. But between now and Father's Day, this is going to be my subject. And I hope you'll get something out of it. I also hope to see your comments and your questions on various forms of social media. Send them straight to my website, lauren at jlaurennorris.com. That's L-O-R-E-N at jlaurennorris.com. I'd love to have a dialogue with you, 
send me a DM on Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever you're watching this. I would love to be engaged with you and have that conversation. And if you just want to sit down over coffee and talk about what's it like to be a dad and how can I do it better and here's what I'm doing, can I get your feedback? I would be honored. If you're in the DFW area, I'll let you buy me a coffee any day of the week. You can find me on all the social media. Just send me a DM and, and we'll, we'll schedule a time. I hope, though, that you as a man will take the time not just to be a father bringing kids into this world, but to be a dad who will sit down and have a conversation with them, who will love them in a way that they need to be loved, and who will one day see them grow into the grown-ups who will be the responsible members of our society as we go forward. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day.